This episode is sponsored by Vision Trust. Vision Trust is an organization that provides essential support in the areas of health, education, and spiritual development to children and adolescents living in poverty around the world. Vision Trust is brimming with female role models who are investing in the next generation of women. Their love is defiant. It stands strong against all odds, and yours can too. Join us in raising up confident young women that embrace their God-given talents to create a better future for us all. Learn more at visiontrust.org forward. Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. As we continue on the path of this year's journey toward becoming unstoppable, we wanted to take this month to talk about a big part of increasing the impact of your unstoppableness, and that is the notion of launching a movement. Now, this movement doesn't have to be anything huge. It just has to be something that helps you make a difference in the world and in your sphere of influence. So what do you wish you could see change or shift in your life? What do you feel like God has called you to speak up about or be a positive force for? This month, I'm joined by Carrie Latticer. Carrie is a speaker, coach, and pastor, and through her decades of experience in the corporate world and now in ministry, she has come to deeply recognize and resonate with the need for more women-led movements in this world. If being the change is something that has been on your heart lately, then this month's episodes are 100% for you. Let's jump right in to this month's conversation. Well, we have spent the last seven months, and guys, we're, ha- we're past the halfway point of 2023. Like, that's just crazy. But we've, we've taken this journey with our listeners to learn how we can each be unstoppable in our lives. So is there a time in your life, Carrie, that you can think back on and say, oh, I was really unstoppable then? Oh, man. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this as my answer, but I think I would say that feels like the season of my life I'm in now, actually. Okay. feels like unstoppable, a season of health and growth and sort of returning to myself in a lot of ways over the last couple of years. And so, yeah, if that's allowed, I would say not a time back then, but I'd say presently that that's how it feels. Well, that's perfect. That's good. You're on a journey. (laughs) On a journey. Yes. Like all of us are, right? Exactly. So this month we want to talk about launching a movement and you know, we're not saying that this has to be something massive. I mean, a movement can take on many shapes and sizes. So when you think about a movement, what comes to mind for you? Yeah. You know, as soon as we start talking about that language of a movement, I just immediately think of people with a shared imagination for what the world could be like. Hmm. And I think movements can happen in all sorts of spheres, you know, whether that's connecting with other folks in your community about um, educational needs or a movement in a church space or a movement for health or, um, an awakening, you know, I think there's all sorts of ways a movement can come to fruition. But what I think of at the core is that it's a people with an imagination for things to be different or for things to be better than they are presently. And they have some sort of invitation to invite us on that journey um, towards improvement or betterment or, or flourishing of all people. Now, do men and women launch or lead 
movements differently? Um, and who do you think does it better? Oh, goodness. Okay. No. <laughs> um, yes, I have been in like full-time vocational ministry for over 17 years. I was in the marketplace, like a leader before that, in a predominantly male-led industry at that time. And I would say certainly I see men and women launch and lead movements really differently. I think it's a tricky question to say, who do you think does it better? Um, I have some thoughts on that, (laughs) but but I will say, yes, in this present moment, I think in culture, in Hollywood, in the church world, I think in this present moment in the world, we're seeing cracks Mm -hmm. within the old paradigm of leadership, which is predominantly male-led, which does in ways, whether we like it or not, or realize it or not, sort of center around patriarchy and supremacy and things like that. I think the cracks in the old model are revealed to us that we need some new and better ways. And I do think that that positions women in some of the unique ways that they lead or launch movements to uh, maybe help usher us into a new season, a new imagination for what leadership and movements can look like. Now, do you think the world needs more women-led movements? I do, certainly. Um, And so much of my journey, I mean, even in conversations like this, has been with organizations or churches, nonprofits, even whole denominations that would say um, they want to see more women in leadership or they want to learn how to develop more women in leadership. And I think what's interesting is even as I have been in that work the last few years, and even as I was preparing for this conversation, I feel really invited to shift from how often I approach those conversations saying, here are the obstacles for women in leadership. Like, you know, we have these sort of male-centered male-centric, even definitions of what we imagine leadership looks like. Here are the obstacles to engaging women in leadership, or here are the obstacles to developing leaders, uh, female leaders. And I feel like in this moment, and even as the spirit was sort of leading me in preparation, like I'm, I'm kind of done talking about the obstacles. And I really want to start talking about the opportunities, like what is, is possible when we get out of the way and empower and activate the women around us. And when we see more women-led movements how I think that can actually impact sort of the good in the world. So I, I, I personally think, yes, we need a lot more women-led movements. Well, and here's another tricky question for you. Do you think the professional world is maybe a little bit more open nowadays than the spiritual and church world? To uh, yeah, that's such a good question. I think, um, I have real passion for seeing the church be the place that models what relationships between men and women can look like. I think when we get that sort of mutuality right, Mm -hmm. that's a part of us actually being this beloved community and, and ushering in God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I think that was part of God's intentions was mutuality and shalom and flourishing between men and women. I see this as an area that is really broken in the world and in culture. And so I see so much opportunity for the church to model that. And I start there because I want to say, unfortunately, my perception is that sort of professional workplaces are further out than the church world or the spiritual world when it comes to equipping and engaging women. We still have so much room to grow in this area. I think the data and the research still shows that. And um, unfortunately, there even been consequences on women in the workforce, like post pandemic. So 
I do think that the the marketplace or kind of the professional sphere is further out than the church is or church spaces are on this topic. I sense both have room to grow. And I dream of the church leading out when it comes to how do we equip men and women to serve and lead side by side? How do we unleash women-led movements and get underneath them and sort of empower the ways that women were created to lead, which I think is quite different than how men lead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you talked about not wanting to talk about the obstacles, rather the opportunities. So what are some opportunities for women to not feel like they're being held back and like they can't lead a movement in their spheres of influence. Yeah. I think we do have to talk about the obstacles. I think we do have to talk about, yeah, the things, (laughs) um, well, and we'll get to some of the opportunities too. Right. But I think, um, one of the realizations that I've had, the more conversations I've had about this is if you just look at how men and women are socialized and cultured differently, Um, you can see some of the real obstacles that women face. And in fact, um, several years ago, I learned from a woman named Ellen Duffield, who wrote a book called Brave Women, where she backs this with data and research, the ways that, you know, um, that men and women are socialized and cultured differently. A man will apply for a job if he has like 50 or some studies say 70% of the criteria required for the job. Um, Women will only apply for a job if they have 100% of the criteria. There are ways from a very young age that women are cultured and socialized to accommodate the needs of people around them. Um, There are ways subtly and overtly that women are told that they're to be seen and not heard or they're to speak when they're spoken to. Um, Women, because they're taught to accommodate, I think oftentimes they're cultured and socialized to not rock the boat. Mm -hmm. Um, When you think about what it takes to lead a movement or to be a visionary, you have to name the tension or the gap between where we are and where things should be. And that's quite disruptive. And I think women are cultured and socialized to not be disruptive. And so there are just some real natural obstacles that women have to overcome to be able to find their voice in a space like that when there are fewer women um, to find your voice in a space around a boardroom table can be challenging women are socialized and cultured to not trust their sort of inner wisdom or intuition or to diminish it or devalue it as opposed to sort of the wisdom or intuition of a man and so there's all sorts of things like this ellen's research discovered that a woman's or a girl's self-confidence peaks at nine years old. Hmm. Nine years old is the highest a woman's self-confidence will ever be because that's the age that she kind of between abstract and concrete thinking, the age that she realizes, oh, I'm never going to be able to sort of fulfill the, all of the expectations and all the mixed messages um, that are out there for how women are supposed to engage or behave in order to belong. And so that's the age that she then begins to cut off, cut off parts of herself self in order to um, belong or receive praise or accolades. Or So um, I know I've said several things there, but there are um, lots of sort of internal and external messages that are sort of in the water or in the air that we breathe around us that are, that contribute to the ways women are socialized and cultured that just create additional obstacles for women to be able to fully sort of show up and steward the influence that they carry in spaces that need the voices and leadership of women. Yeah. When we were planning out this episode, you had mentioned that you had noticed seven shifts that result when women are leading. So do you want to dive into those more? 
Yeah, totally. Um, really, this came from that, like, if what if we just looked at the opportunity if we unleashed women rather than just the obstacles? And so as I began to reflect on that, there were just seven things that emerged so quickly for me that I see about what happens when we do unleash women and how women lead differently than men. So the first one is that I, I perceive women see leadership as being the tide that lifts all boats, not like the boat out and in front going the fastest. Sometimes it even means being last in line, but the tide that lifts all boats, not just the fastest out in front. I perceive that women seek to build ecosystems of flourishing, not sort of empires where they're, you know, king or queen of, of an empire or domain, but ecosystems where they're shared um, learnings and wins. I perceive that women innately lead in a way that values collaboration over competition. Mm -hmm. um, they want to sort of seek to bring in the best of everyone, not pit one another, you know, not pit women or men against one another. So valuing collaboration over competition. The fourth one, when I see women grounded in themselves as leaders, bringing their best self to the leadership table, I see women that lean into empathy and intuition and emotional health over what we would sort of tend to prioritize in our culture as rational thinking. Um, I hope we get to unpack that one a little bit more because there's some real um, interesting learnings based on data and research there. Um, number five, I think that women prioritize far and wide impact over just sort of up and to the right. Um, our predominant models tend to sort of have this idea that the ends justify the means. And as long as things are moving up and to the right, then they're going in the right direction. But I perceive women actually prioritize far and wide sort of overall comprehensive impact over just the bottom line up and to the right. I perceive that women um, pursue the actual embodiment of our values, not just the desire to have sort of aspirational vision statements that are empty. Like women want to actually live into what we say we're about, not just have great vision statements. And then finally, number seven, I perceive that women really value transformational leadership over simply transactional leadership. And our predominant model tends to sort of um, exhibit a lot of transactional leadership. And I think women perceive the whole, the transformation of the whole as a higher value. So those are sort of my, my seven things that emerged um, just nearly immediately as I was imagining how women lead movements differently than men. Thanks so much for joining me for the start of this month's conversation with Carrie. Come back in two weeks when we conclude our chat with Carrie by discussing the best leadership style and practices for movement makers. Carrie and I will also navigate the slightly tricky subject of how to lead with empathy and not be called emotional by your peers. For more information about today's episode, just go to forwardwomen.org slash podcast. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N.org slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to Work, Love, Pray on your favorite listening platform and leave a review. Your review will help more people discover Work, Love, Pray, so your feedback is greatly appreciated. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.